Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,531. Attention to details. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. I'm revved up and very excited to share with you today a very special guest calling in from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where it's probably a little more sunny than it is here in Gig Harbor, Washington, Tom Clark. Tom is a minority partner at Motor Car Gallery, where they have over 200 years of combined in-house exotic vintage and collector car experience. From the common to the obscure, the team helps navigate your collector car journey through values, inspections, finance, transportation, storage, and the maintenance of your vintage automobiles. He was born into a collector car family. His father was a car collector and an SCCA national champion in Formula C. Tom has raced with SCCA since the early 80s, was their rookie of the year in the Florida region in 1985 and competed in Formula Renault. In 2005, he became, or he began, I should say, competitive driving instruction and coaching He's been involved in the automotive industry since the early 70s, buying and selling Ferraris and many other marks. We'll be back in a minute to talk to Tom, but first, a word from our valued sponsors that make this show possible. We'll be right back. Hey, Cars Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom-tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim-weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you a Cars Yeah subscriber? If you're not, go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button, and I'll send you my free filler up book. It's a very cool book I created of fuel filler fun, some very cool imagery, and great quotes from past guests here on Cars Yeah. Plus, you'll get my weekly email follow-up and my weekly blog. Just go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button, and I'll send it to you right away. Thanks for subscribing. Hey, Tom, welcome to Cars Yeah, my friend. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Got the six-point harness on, tight and ready. All right, (laughs) there we go. I'll try to keep it between the guardrails so nothing bad happens to us today. Before I jump into some of the questions I have so we can learn more about you, tell our listeners one thing that most people don't know about Tom. Well, I wear a cowboy hat daily, and most people think, you you know, why do you wear a cowboy hat? Well, two reasons. One, I'm bald, and we we have a lot of sun down here in Florida. Oh yeah. <laughs> and yeah. second, we have a we do have a family cattle ranch, 400 acres up in Okeechobee, Florida, that have about 170 head on it. It's a it's wow. a 
minor business, not part of my day-to-day operation, but it is something that we have. So the cowboy hat is real. Yeehaw! Yeehaw. I love it. Now, now do you wear boots that go with that hat? No. Down here in Florida, it's flip-flops. So <laughs> Flip-flops. Well, flip-flops and the cowboy hat. <laughs> you know, I'm chuckling a little bit because my dad grew up in Texas and on a farm. They raised cattle and wheat, soybean, and uh, he was one of five kids who came out west, and I was born and raised in California. And so I grew up with flip-flops and a surfboard. Never a cowboy hat, but uh, my wife has this picture of me way back in, I think I was in high school, junior high, visiting my grandparents' farm. And I'm standing there with shorts on, kind of like my swim shorts, you know. And uh, I was probably a hang tan shirt back then and a cowboy hat and cowboy boots. I look like a total doofus. But I, I love cowboy hats. And I, I kind of wondered when you sent me your pictures that'll be on your show notes page in the Cars yeah website, what is with the hat? Now, before I ask you this first question, though, you and I were chatting. You put on a very cool event earlier that involved motorcycles, right? Yeah, once a year at the ranch, we have uh, sanctioned by the Florida Trail Riders, the we call it the Snake River Hair Scramble. And this year, we had a terrific year. We broke all the records. We've been doing it for 16 years. And this year, we had 759 dirt bike riders. In what? Dirt, in, Seven? Over 700? Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. Yep. There's 55 different classes for all the way from peewee up to the AA pros. And they, the trail riders groom on the 400 acres a 14 mile course through the woods, through the fields, through the, through the rivers. I mean, it, it's, it's a hair scramble. So what they do, it's pretty neat. They start off with what we call a Le Mans start. Everybody lines up in their class, 10 feet away from their bike. They shoot the horn and they're off and they have to start the bike. So the bikes aren't running. They have to get up there, kickstart the bike and go. Some of the bikes now have electric start, but they go for the whole shot and it is just crazy exciting. So we have a lot of fun doing that. And a lot of people are really into the dirt bike riding today. It's getting harder and harder to find places to ride. So they're very appreciative that we open up the ranch once a year just for that. What a marvelous event. Uh, You know, like in our pre-show chat, I was mentioning, I used to ride dirt bikes way back when in the olden days and really love it. And I have a a friend up here, uh, Matt Sweet, wonderful guy, works for a big title company, but he and his his kids dirt bike ride. And uh, I've got other friends that still do that. And one of my best friends who I used to ride with back in junior high and high school still rides today. I, maybe I need to think about getting back on a bike. But then then again, we were talking about getting a little old. I don't know if my body could take a fall very well. Yeah, I, a- <laughs> I took the big spill 10 years ago, broke five ribs. And so my, oh. my, my mantra now is with age comes a cage. With age comes a cage. Well, well, nice segue, my friend, into this next question. And that is, I would love for you to share a mantra, maybe something, uh, uh, well, that's pretty positive, but something else or a quote, something that is instrumental in your life, a nice way to get the uh, tires turning here on on cars, yeah, or we'll call it motorcycles, yeah, twist to the wrist. So Tom, grab the wheel or the handlebars. Well, but the, you know, uh, automobiles have been a big part of my life. And they, it really, the earliest memories are of my dad racing. So I always followed the race circuits, even as a young kid. And one of my heroes back in the day as a driver was Roger Penske. One of my mantras is his, a quote from him, 
regarding his success in life. And it's basically three words, attention to detail. So that's how I try to do everything today. And it, it stems from delivering a car and making sure the car is detailed. And I always have to point that out to the, the people that are buffing and washing the cars. It's all in the details. You know, get that get that inner fender well. Get those uh, door jams hinges so that the grease is is there, but not all over the place. You know, things like that. And then that just segues into the whole business in trying to uh, make sure that the uh, the details are always covered. You know, making sure that all the paperwork is correct, and making sure that you know histories are known on every car, and making sure that. The bathrooms are clean. Attention to details throughout the whole, uh, in, in, uh, in all of life. So it equates to another wonderful Penske quote effort equals results. His quotes are great about few words, but great meaning, if you will. But I love the attention to detail. It's something my father taught me being an architect and an artist. Uh, there's that old Mies van der Rohe saying, God is in the details. You always see that when you go into a company or you deal with any company. When they don't cross their T's and dot their I's, when all those little details are kind of falling apart, you realize, okay, what else is going wrong? I have a friend who, if she goes to a new restaurant, first thing she does is go into the bathroom. And if the bathroom is a mess, she leaves. She said, if this is the way they keep the area that the guests see, I wonder what the kitchen is like. So uh, probably not a bad way to think. Well, let's talk a little bit about Motor Car Gallery. I would love for you to share with the listeners. All the different things that you guys do, the different kinds of cars you deal with. I mentioned in the uh, opening bio here all the different services and things you do. But uh, what's what has you excited and fired up these days about Motor Car Gallery? Well, we've been around since 1985. And probably the most exciting thing today is seeing the younger generations come in and have a full understanding of a lot of the older cars. We started off in the collector car business years ago with my partner, Ed Waterman, started off with a Maserati 3500 GT that he imported after a a college trip to Europe. And he just started that with that one car, sold it at a profit, reinvested it, and kept it going. Those are the type of cars. Those are the type of cars that have really made Motor Car Gallery over the years. And we've sold some fantastically important cars from the uh, Aga Khan Maserati 5000 to Ferrari TDFs to three or 500 super fast Ferraris. You know, all kinds of different cars and a lot of different cars in between. You know, from restored Jaguars. I'm looking on the showroom floor right now. We have a beautiful 70 Italia, Intermechanica Italia, which uh, just one of the most beautifully penned cars. The actual size of the car is very similar to the Daytona Spider Ferrari and the Maserati Ghibli Spider. So this is a car that is actually as pretty, if maybe not prettier, than those two cars. So that's an important car. And those are part of the things that have really made Motor Car Gallery. Now, one of the things that we're excited about is this generation that's coming up. And, you know, I've, I've had kids in here as young as three, four years old. I even videotaped this one little kid. He knew every single car and he was three years old. He, oh, mom, mommy, yeah, Porsche 356. 
mommy, mommy, <laughs> you know, Maserati Bora, you know, things like that. So, Holy cow. Oh, it was amazing. But I also see it to the kids up to, you know, in their mid-20s. They just know everything about the car. Oh, yeah, the 488, that's got, uh, you know, that's over 600 horsepower now, twin turbo. You know, it's uh, different than the 458 that's normally aspirated. But, you know, this, it, just, it, it blows my mind. Now, I have, to, I have to let you know, unfortunately, we've got, I call it a generation skip because some of the millennials just, they we're we're in an urban area down here in Fort Lauderdale. It's gorgeous, right at downtown Fort Lauderdale. We've got a lot of residential area around us. It's very safe. It's it's improved quite a bit over the years. And some of these millennials on their scooters or you know in their BMWs, they'll they'll park because we're downtown. They park right in our in front of our showroom door and walk away. And I go, I, oh no, <laughs> yeah, we have to go up, get up, and go. What are you doing? Oh. I didn't think this was a business. I thought this was a museum. And, you know, it's like, ah, hello, okay. <laughs> you know, motor car gallery, you know, showroom entrance, you know, it's, it, yeah. but that's okay. You know, there, I, I don't want to stereotype on the millennials. I'm sure there's a whole lot of you out there that love cars and, and everything, but yeah, it's, we, a, it's an it, education process. Sure. Sure. And what's amazing is this, yeah, these younger people, and I see a lot of them that have come in from the the cruise ships that are on vacation, mom and dad bring them in here and talk about cars. All my kids just love the cars, you know. So we always welcome everybody into the dealership, and we make sure that everybody that walks away is walking away with, yeah, a little bit of a tidbit of information. And we always give them that that opportunity of saying, if you see a car out in your neighborhood and you think that it would be a car that would work for us, please knock on a door or if it's a garage sale, ask them what's underneath the cover and see if it's a car for sale and pay you a bird dog to, uh, if we, if we're able to buy the car, just give us the information where it is. And that's work. It's worked. And it's, it's, it's a lot of fun when it does. And when you give a 15 year old kid a check for five, 600 bucks, it's a blast. It, it, the, oh yeah. <laughs> Great to make a date. Well, let me ask you this. Because obviously times they are a changing and when you look at the collector car market and you talk about different generations, XYZ, millennial, and who knows what's coming up next. Uh, are you seeing a transition, let's say in the last two or three years, um, uh, specifically because up until what's happening now with this virus, I mean, the economy was just rip roaring and things were so wonderful and delightful. And then, you know, we get walloped real big here. We'll get behind this, or this will get behind us, I should say. We're already behind it. But uh, let me ask you this. Are you seeing a change in the types of cars that you sell migrating into what I see, even on Concord fields, with later cars happening, 80s, 90s cars, Japanese cars coming in the market, so that these younger collectors can get into the hobby with things that aren't on the level of Ferrari F40s and Maseratis and some of these very, very big blue chip cars that uh, a lot of us just can't afford. Right. Well, absolutely. And what we're seeing now, we've never dealt in pre-war cars, but I'm, I, I have been told that the the Duesenbergs and the Packards and that era of car, that market is dwindling. I mean, uh, it's you know, it's only a, well, yeah. The the people who love those are are passing away because time that's is what, moving uh, on. And we dealt um, sort of, uh, you know, a little bit out of the norm in early Rolls Royces. We dealt in 
fifties uh, and sixties Rolls Royces uh, for years and years. In fact, uh, when the crash of the nineties happened with some of the exotics, the, the Rolls and Bentley early stuff kept us going. Unfortunately, we see that market dwindling. Also, um, those those people are getting older and and not as active and uh, passionate about the cars anymore. I I, uh, I I've sold cars to uh, some. Silver Clouds and Silver Wraiths and really neat uh, coach built Rolls Royce and Bentleys over the years. It's some, it's a market that we've kind of backed away from just because it's not as active and and quite frankly with uh, 50, not as big a supply anymore. Yeah, well, there's or that demand, and, I and say. with 5,800 square feet of uh, showroom right in downtown, a Rolls Royce takes up a lot of room. <laughs> oh yeah, I think park two cars. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But, you know, the, um, getting back to what's happening in the market, you're exactly right. Uh, a lot of the younger people are getting into cars that are a little bit more affordable. One of the cars that I actually raced for years and years was a Datsun 240Z. And I, I bought this car in 1987 as a, restoration project and you know it's a gorgeous car it reminded me of a lot of different cars that were you know 10 times the price and so getting into it i ended up figuring out this was beyond restoration so we turned it into a improved touring s seca car and had a blast with it now 240z's are really they they were a high production car but we have seen the prices of these cars go up and rightly so because it is a proper GT. It's independent rear suspension. It's got a great, great overhead cam six cylinder that just growls like no end and they're, they're fun to drive. So, and you can, you can either modify them or you can keep them stock, but we see a lot of, uh, a lot of activity in that market, especially from our friends to, to give them a plug at bring a trailer, you know they've done a done a terrific job, and they're they have uh, really become uh, one of the barometers that we look at today is in terms of value, just because of their sheer volume that they're doing. And uh, we we've bought and sold cars on there. We bid on a lot of things, but uh, it's uh, yeah, it, yeah. Randy and his team there have just. I had Randy on my show years ago, and he announced when he was my guest, that they were going to start doing online auctions. They hadn't even started that. And boy, I mean, it's just been a huge, huge boom for him. I've had many friends who've bought and sold cars using him. I mean, the rates are low. The exposure is massive. Sometimes you have to take the comments with a grain of salt, but that's like any forum anywhere. Caveat emptor, but he's really done a fantastic job. And I love to, you know, it gives us kind of like Sports Car Market Magazine. It gives us a taste of what reality is right now for those cars and they've even sold some very very high-end cars but most of it is what i would call affordable for the normal collector right, for right, the average right, right. collector yeah and, well, he, uh, I, he, yeah, I i yeah. like the uh him sticking to the mantra of uh you know cars that you have to bring a trailer for i mean you know it's just that's <laughs> yeah. almost to become a generic name but it's uh it's so true we we have been watching Randy from day one, and he's uh, he's done a terrific job. I, I think I read something that they've already they're up to over twenty eight thousand cars or something or other. It's just amazing. Pretty pretty impressive. It yeah. is. Pretty, it is. Yeah. For somebody that just kind of started a forum type thing talking about cars for sale to something that is a 
viable business. Well, that's fantastic. Well, I've got another question for you here, but first we're going to take a short break. We're going to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for the enthusiast and the collector. It's your monthly must-read whether you dream of owning a collector car, have two cars, or 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Plus, you'll get the exclusive SEM guide to restoration shops included for free. At checkout, use the code CARSYEAH and receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription. It's an exclusive offer from me here at Cars Yeah. I'm Mark Green, and I love Sports Car Market Magazine. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah. And I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars yeah! website at com. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting. But what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. All right, Tom, we are back, and I have a bit of a question for you. I want you to go back in time and look at a time where you were faced with a big challenge or even a big failure. This could be in life, could be in your career. Whatever it is, I want you to walk us through it. But more importantly, what was that lesson learned so you could move forward in a positive way? So take us on a journey. Well, 1985, I was racing Sports 2000 and had already won the regional championship down here. And the last race of the day on Sunday, I was on pole. I was leading the race and they let out a Formula Ford rookie uh, who had an X next to his number out of the pit. And he saw me coming down the straight and immediately panicked and got off line. So, oh no. Yes, which is what you don't do when you're racing. Well, he got off line. Especially when you're entering a hot track. Right. Well, he got off line right at, right in front of me and I was doing about 110 mm. and uh and I had nowhere to go but to crawl over top of him. So, oh, I no. I was literally the only thing that kept the car from going over was uh 
the gearbox dragged on the put a good chunk out of the uh, out of the course. This is at Moroso International Speedway. Oh yeah, now called yeah, Palm Beach International. So yeah, I've been there, driven on that track. It's yeah, a great track. yeah. So uh, that was it. The uh, uh, the guy in second place decided had nowhere to go after that happened and and went right over my legs. Broken, oh. broke my ankle, but it was you know due to the due to the fact that the clutch pedal you know crushed my ankle. But right, yeah. that was a oh, big geez. that was a big setback because after winning the championship in that car, um, I was also running nationals, and I was one race away from getting into the national championship and going to the runoffs, and uh, and that that set everything back. So unfortunately that happened but we came back we uh you know healed up and we um I, that's when i went to france and raced at formula renault for a little bit figured out that uh third is last i came in third in in a couple of races uh yeah and yeah that's <laughs> yeah, uh i understand that didn't that's they only look at you when you're first and but um yeah. you know after that I, uh, you know, I decided that that was, you know, a big setback in my life. I really had aspirations of becoming a professional race car driver. I did race in IMSA GTU and did some things there, but nothing ever really panned out. But, um, you know, with the help of family and, uh, and also the birth of my son, I said, you know what, life carries on and we just, uh, we move forward and, and and try to follow our passions in different routes. And I followed the passion in the car business, having been in the car business, but in and out and um, have no regrets. Well, you know, it's uh, I, I'm so sorry that happened to you. It's just, uh, and yeah, being open wheel cars, those cars. And when someone comes and pulls in front of you like that, and there's nowhere to go. Yeah. You do the way you said it, it's true. Climb over the top of them. Um, I'm so glad you didn't get hurt worse because some of those accidents in those cars are not very protective in many ways. So I'm glad that, uh, I know at the time it was tragic, but that was all that happened to you. Let me ask you this because I've had a lot of professional racers on the show, hundreds as a matter of fact. What's the takeaway other than, um, you know, nothing you can do when somebody pulls in front of you like that. It's not, not an accident that or something that you caused. But what's your takeaway from when you meet with a tragic situation like that that does alter your course? What would be a piece of wisdom and advice you might offer somebody that has met with something similar? It doesn't have to be racing. It could be something in their career, something in their life that gets in front of them and causes them to have to alter course. What, what's a, a positive takeaway that you could share? Perseverance. You have to persevere. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I'm sure some of the pros that you spoke to after accidents, the first thing they did was either, you know, jump in a go-kart or jump back in a car and, and get back on the course. And that's exactly what I did. I, I remained racing, but I persevered through it. And I think that's in life, you have to persevere. And if you, if you just quit and just stop and, and, and give up, then that's the worst thing that can happen. Persevere, even if it means, you know, going 90 degrees in another direction, just persevere. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a couple of guys who come to mind, uh, Chad McQueen, who's been on the show a couple of times, a horrible accident he had that really altered his course in life. Uh, he's found a new direction and course in life with what he's doing of, uh, progressing with his father's, uh, car, you know, Steve, friends of Steve McQueen car show where they raised last year a million dollars for the boys republic. Tommy Kendall, another one comes to mind. Horrible accident. Um, even Brian, Brian Redman. I mean, you know, an accident almost burned him alive and 
uh, finding a way to persevere and go forward. Well, let's talk about a story that instigated your personal passion for cars. And I know your dad was a car guy, a racer, so he must have had a massive influence. But there was a, or was there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew, you know what, like dad, I'm going to be a car guy? Well, I I think I wrote in the bio that it's in the genes. Um, I remember <laughs> yeah. one of the Flowing earliest. Going the blood veins. <laughs> sure. One of the earliest member, memories I had was riding around Nelson Ledges in a Lotus 18. Formula Junior that my dad raced, which was Formula C at that point, and burning my arm on the uh, in the cockpit because the actual frame, the actual tube frame was the water uh, that were the yeah. The I, I raced frame. one of those cars for twelve years, a Lotus eighteen. Did yep. you really? There you go. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, that was um, that was really one of my earliest memories, and that was really what got me. Turned you know, being a car guy. Now, I think I mentioned that you know my dad also collected cars. He was in the machine tool business, and back then he was able to buy a he bought a two seventy five GTS for like forty five hundred dollars. Now that's a lot of money for oh. a car back then, but yeah. let's put it in terms of the, you know of today. So, sure. but what ended up happening was we uh, brought those cars down. From Cleveland, Ohio to Fort Lauderdale, my dad opened up a car dealership with a gentleman named Herb Swan uh, here, mm-hmm. and we actually had to drive each one of those cars down. We didn't transport anything back in the day. We just drove them. And you just drove them down? How fun oh, yeah. was that? Oh, yeah, yeah. We've, I mean, I-95 ended, I think, somewhere around Daytona. And so, uh-huh. but uh, we uh, we drove down from Cleveland in uh, in those cars. Oh, my gosh. And that's really cool. It was. It was. My <laughs> sister got to ride in some. I got to ride in some, and we just yeah. we we would have, you know drive down, spend the night, and fly back, and uh, and go get another one. Go wow. get another one. Exactly. That's cool. It was. It was neat times, and the and the only reason my dad did you know took one of us kids was to stay awake. <laughs> yeah, have somebody to ride yeah, with. Somebody to dad, ride dad. Yeah, just turn up the volume a little bit. Sure. What was your first really special vehicle in your life? The first car you got that that you look back on as the first one that really had meaning for you? Yeah, it's uh, I I tell the story. You know, um, again, Dad, and it's Tom Senior. A lot of people know my dad in the car business. He, uh, you know, founding the uh, steering wheel here in Fort Lauderdale, which was the Maserati dealer. Well, when I turned sixteen, uh, he made me buy my first car. It was a one ninety four door Benz. It wasn't. It wasn't a 190 SL or anything like that. It was just a four door 1960 Mercedes 190. I paid 175 dollars for it and had no clutch. It was it was four on the tree, so I had to put a clutch in it, and that's where I cut my teeth on doing things from a mechanical standpoint. I you know I can do brakes. I can do clutch. I, I actually had to pull the cylinder head off and and uh, you know get new valve guides put in and uh so I learned about it. it was overhead cam so I learned about timing and things like that. So that car was special because it opened a, a different perspective on cars from the mechanical standpoint. And one of the things that that's done is is taught me how to be very gentle with cars, especially race cars. You know, a lot of a lot of people will thrash cars very hard to get that tenth tenth, but the I always say every car, if you treat it like a beautiful woman and be very gentle, 
it will perform the very best for you. There you go. Yeah. Well, I know racing that Lotus 18, I had the original, not the original, but it was a Renault gearbox, very oh, delicate yeah. gearbox. The car had the shifter on the left. The H pattern was backwards. So I always had to remember when I was going into third, it's not the upper right, it's upper left. So you don't want to go into second gear when you think you're going into third, you'll blow that thing to pieces. But it was very delicate. It even had the original shift knob on it, which was this little delicate thing, kind of a work of art. But that's Colin Chapman for you. Lightweight. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, Tom. If you uh, woke up tomorrow and you were a vehicle, you were actually manifest as a vehicle, what would you be and why? Um, you know, that was a question that took a, took a long time to... to well, good. Up. That's the that's the way it's designed, to get you to think a little bit. Right, right. <laughs> well, I can tell you, I have, in the past couple of years, had a lot of time behind the wheel in two, two of the same car, uh, two different Ferrari 458 Specialis. And I did a lot of instruction. I did some coaching with some people and I gave a lot of rides. So I probably between Homestead International and Palm Beach International Raceways, I have probably 500 laps and uh, 458 special. That car is beautiful. I, when that car came out, it just, to me, it was a, a transitionary type car um, in my mind because I was at the Ferrari factory when they were building the first race car versions of those. And in fact, I got to see the first five that they rolled out. I happened to be there the day they rolled them out. They were getting ready for the racing version. And they're just, they're beautiful cars. I love those. Yeah, the 458's a very, very, it, it's it's abs- it's actually forgiving. It's a, it's a car that is really well balanced. Now, if you've ever, I've raced, uh, or I've done some track days in uh, 430 challenge cars and that car that car can bite you it's a it's a very 360 was was great it was that was nicely balanced and again very forgiving but not a not a lot of power the 430 challenge car had a a lot more power and was a lot more of a a driver's car you had to you had to really drive that car and at the at the edge it could bite you where the 458 has even speciality had you know, we were we were running them on you know nearly you know ball tires, but uh, it was uh, it was a car that was very forgiving. You know, even with the nannies all turned off, the the car you could really dial in oversteer with your right foot, or you could you know trail brake in hard and and really it just it was a great car to uh, show people what high performance driving is all about. And it, and it was never anything. It was never a, a situation where it scared people. People even felt comfortable in it. So that car, to this at this time, is near and dear to my heart. I mean, obviously, my my favorite car of all time was the car that I uh, Sports 2000 the Tiga SC80, which was a terrific little Sports 2000 that was imported from Europe and it competed in uh, in the English series and. So it was really well dialed in, and I was showing up to the track in four-year-old Sports 2000, in you know towing the car in an open trailer behind it, my grandmother's yep. station wagon when I was 24, and <laughs> I was beating guys that had semis 
you know, full of sports 2000s, Royales and Swifts and, and all that. Cool. And it was, uh, yeah. it was gratifying. So that was a car that Absolutely. was really neat. But today the 458 Speciale, I think, uh, is something else. I've driven the 488, uh, never in anger around the track, but I think the sound in the, uh, the, the linear torque on the 458 normally aspirated motor is just fantastic. Sounds like it. Yeah. Love to spend some time on the track. One of those. I've never been able to drive one. I've ridden in them, but they sound spectacular. All right. Well, we are entering the last lap and I've got kind of a lightning round here for you. Very quick blips of that four, five, eight throttle. So here we go. What's one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? Never give up. Just yeah. The racer's creed. Yeah. <laughs> just never give up. If you, you know, blow a tire on a road trip, and you want to turn around, just uh, limp, limp to the gas station, get a new tire, and go on. Go on. How about if I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased? Who would it be? I'd have to say it'd be Roger Penske. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be fantastic. How about the best automotive advice someone else has ever given you? This could be racing advice or buying collector car advice. Well, uh, this is from a technician that still works for us. To this day, his name is Mark Rubin. He actually worked for my father at the steering wheel in the 70s. Uh, this man is an amazing, amazing technician. And he, when a car is broken, he always says, the car will never win. So uh, basically, a car can always be fixed. And that's that was great advice in, in you know, buying cars. If you buy a car that that is, let's say it's a restoration project, always have the foresight to look beyond the current condition and see see what is you know capable of that car and um remember that it's always uh, everything can always be fixed today 3D printers are amazing you know manufacturing parts and things like that so yeah oh yeah yeah i've had a few cars almost win over me about giving up, but yeah. yeah, you just can't give up going back to the racer's creed. How about a resource? Is there one out there that you would recommend to people? Well, today, our Bible here is Hemmings as far as cars go. The, you know, Hemmings, the, the actual print magazine, I think still has great value. We get it once a month. In fact, we get two copies here because they always go missing. And from services to parts to of course you know really neat cars and i think just a good old print hemmings still has a lot of value and if anybody's worth their salt they're in hemmings in this business uh bring it bring a trailer spring a trailer again is uh oh would be another yeah absolutely yeah how about a great book that you would recommend well you know i if the movie came out i think last year but Racing in the Rain is a book that everybody that I ever recommended to that was not a car person actually became a bit of a car person. So I think the the book Racing in the Rain, although it's a little darker than the movie, is really a a great book to open the eyes of the car world perspective. And it's um it, it the movie was great. I thought the acting was good and and the racing was great. A little far fetched, you know, with a thirty five year old guy becoming a Formula One Ferrari Formula One driver. But <laughs> yeah, in the in sure. the meantime, it it you know, 
it's a book that when a, a non-car person reads it, it sort of opens their eyes and says, wow, there's, this is cool. Yeah, yeah, great book. It's the most it's the most recommended book here on Cars, yeah. Garstein, the author, has been a guest here on the show. Uh, yeah. He lives up here near me in the Pacific Northwest. So uh, I, I much prefer the book over the movie. Audiobook is awesome, too, for those listeners. So uh, there you go. All right, we're up to the checkered flag here, Tom. This last question could be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you a collector car today. Any collector car in the world. Could be a vintage race car. Could be a street car. Whatever you want, I'm going to buy it for you. But there are some rules to this game. One is you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. And you have to drive it. No garage queens. I don't think that's a problem for a guy like you. But here's the big kicker. It's the only one collector car you can have. So it needs to tick a lot of boxes. What's it going to be? 275 GTB 4K. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. The car. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, it, a beautiful car uh, for sure. And uh, I understand why you why you would want that 4K GTB. I mean, they're just delightful. Now, if, if you could pick any color, what would you like yours to be? Well, there's a lot of people that come into the dealership that say, oh, it's got to be Rosa Corso red, you know, and uh, and then I get a lot of people in that come in anything but red. But my personal favorite color of any car, it doesn't matter if it's the the 4Cam or if it's um, Gullwing or whatever, it's silver. It's just silver to me is a subtle, striking color in just about any car. That car works in silver. That car would work in pink. I mean, it's just, it's a great car, but I love silver as well. Well, listen, Tom, you've taken us on a great ride. This has been great fun. I really appreciate you spending some time with us and sharing some inspiration. Before I let you go, though, is there a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance you might offer our listeners out there before you rip off into the Florida sunset in a 275 Ferrari DTB 4 camp? Well, you know, this business, uh, a lot of people always ask, you know, well, what car can I buy that will, uh, you know, that I won't lose money on? What's what's a good investment car? And I <laughs> I, I always Wrong tell question. them the same thing. I said, <laughs> you know, the, the best investment car is the car that you have the most memories of. And that's if it means the first time you were in the back seat of a car with a girl, or if it's the the car that you drove the strip in, or if it's a car that you went to college in, buy a car that you have passionate memories about, and that's the car that will be the most gratifying. That's the best advice. Well, listeners, you can learn a lot more about Motor Car Gallery on their website at motorcargallery.com. Check it out. Pour yourself a tall drink because you're going to be there a while looking at all the fun things that they have. Hey, Tom, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. Cars, yeah. You're welcome. You betcha. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners, this is Mark Green. If you love the Cars Yeah podcast, I have something new for you. I've teamed up with Keith Martin, a collector car market expert and the editor of Sports Car Market Magazine to create the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast. Buy, Sell, Hold is the essence of collecting. Together, we take you on an educational ride into the collector car market, talking with industry experts, helping you navigate your collector car journey so you know when to buy, sell, hold. We talk with seasoned experts, who buy, sell, and hold investment vehicles, and they'll share their insider secrets on how they make their buying decisions when it comes to making these important investments. You'll find the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast on the Cars website, on the Sports Car Market website, and if you're a podcast app subscriber to Cars 
Buy, sell, hold will come right to your mobile device, just like the Cars Yeah! podcast, automatically. Join Keith Martin and me on a great new venture on the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!